Hi, this is Adam Bergman, a tax partner with the IRA Financial Group. Today I'm going to talk about the types of investments you can and cannot make with your self-directed IRA or 401k plan. This is a really important topic because of the harsh penalties involved for doing what's called a prohibited transaction, which is essentially a transaction that is not permitted based off the IRS rules. Now, when it comes to IRAs and 401ks, there's essentially four types of transactions that are not permitted. Thankfully, the IRS does not set forth a list of what is permitted, um, but only sets forth a uh, set of rules that discuss the prohibited types of transactions involving IRAs or 401k funds. The reason the prohibited transaction rules, as they're called, are so important is, again, the, the steep penalties, the fact that in the case of your IRA, the IRA could be disqualified as of January 1st of that year, taxes, penalties up to 100%. In the case of a 401k, your 401k would be treated as a taxable distribution. So quite a hefty price to pay for doing a transaction. The rules are extremely broad, uh, especially the prohibited transaction rules, which we'll discuss in a little bit. And uh, it's important, again, that you're, you're well-versed in these rules in order to uh, maintain the viability of your uh, retirement account and the tax uh, deferral or tax-free nature if it's a Roth account. So let's talk about the uh, first type of prohibited type of transaction. That's a uh, defined in Section 408 of the Internal Revenue Code, and that discusses collectibles. And collectibles are defined essentially under 408 as antiques, rugs, stamps, baseball cards, diamonds, uh, things that the IRS feels are very hard to value, um, hard to sell or market. So for that reason, they've made them uh, a prohibited type of asset for retirement accounts. Thankfully, there's a carve-out for pure precious metals like pure gold, silver, palladium, uh, bullion, 99.99% pure. So it's got to be um, pure bullion. It can't be scraps. Also, uh, IRS-approved coins are American eagles or state-minted coins. Um, there's some misinformation out there that suggests that you can buy foreign coins, collectibles. Uh, that's inaccurate. It has to be American Eagles or State Minted. Uh, this, again, is based off the IRS tax code under Section 408 and also regulations. The ability to hold uh, the gold or, or coins uh, will be a subject of a different podcast, but just briefly, you should hold the gold, silver, palladium bars. Uh, it, there's a physical possession requirement outlined in Section 408M, as in Michael, in the tax code. So clearly, you cannot hold the gold, silver, palladium bars personally in your house. They should be held in the physical possession of a trustee, which is defined in the Internal Revenue Code as a U.S. bank, trust company, and anyone who satisfies the definition of a trustee, trust company. So it's important that you do not hold these uh, assets personally. Interestingly enough, for coins, there's no such physical uh, possession or threshold. So a lot of uh, people take the position that they can be held personally. Again, there's no IRS guidance on this. It's up for discussion. I think it's best that you do hold them if you can in a third-party source, whether it's a depository or a safety deposit box in the name of your you know, IRA LLC or 401k plan. If you do want to hold these coins personally, there does not seem to be a on-its-face restriction based off the code, IRS guidance, or any regulations. Again, but it's something to be cautious about uh, in terms of where the IRS would fall on, on that position. The important thing, obviously, is you don't use these assets for any personal purposes. So if the IRS does uh, examine your asset purchase with your IRA or 401k and, and sees that you own approved coins personally, 
Again, if you didn't use these assets personally, it's going to be hard for the IRS to argue any type of self-dealing or conflict of interest since there's no personal benefit. That being said, I sometimes suggest that my clients have an affidavit drafted showing that their intent is to not hold these assets for personal purposes. So again, that's collectibles. That's the first category of prohibited types of transactions for IRAs and 401ks. Second category only applies to IRAs, and that's life insurance contracts. 401ks are permitted to purchase life insurance contracts so long as the plan documents permit. IRAs are not allowed to buy life insurance contracts. The third category is actually not a rule that's uh, set forth specifically for IRAs or 401ks but involves the purchase of S-corporation stock, which is a special type of corporate stock. It's basically a C-corporation that elects to be treated as an S-corp, which is a pass-through entity for tax purposes, like a partnership. Very popular entity. Uh, people use the S-corp as a way to minimize self-employment and FICA taxes on uh, W-2 salary, and they take a portion of what they earn as distributions instead of salary and, and reduce their self-employment tax number, something the IRS is looking at. In any event, it's, it's a popular type of entity, but unfortunately, S-Corp have special rules under the tax code, and one of them is that only individuals can be a shareholder, and an IRA or a 401k is a trust. So it's not a specific IRA or 401k restriction, but it's a restriction in the tax code that prohibits IRAs or 401ks or any other non-individuals from purchasing stock in an S-corp. So th that's the third category. Again, it's collectibles, one, life insurance, two, for IRAs, not for 401ks, three, S-corporation stock, which is not actually an IRA or 401k restriction, but it applies to any non-individual. And the fourth and the broadest category, and a category that uh, easily can take a, a one-hour podcast, but uh, I'll spare everyone on this specific podcast and, and just briefly discuss the prohibited transaction rules uh, under 4975, which really center around the whole idea of self-dealing or conflict of interest. Remember, the IRS wants people to have IRAs, 401ks. They want these accounts to grow, um, unlike uh, a lot of people that believe that the IRS is out there uh, looking to attack people's retirement accounts. They're not. They actually, in most cases, want them to grow very, very large. The reason? They're going to get tax revenue at some point. Uh, when you, generally, when you hit 70 years old, you have to take requirement and distributions, which will force you take, to take into account any of your pre-tax IRA or pre-tax 401k into income when you hit 70 and a half years old. There's a special formula the IRS sets forth and provides it each year and updates it. But basically, a percentage each year of your total value of your IRA and 401k you have to take into income, pay tax on it. So uh, that being said, of course, the higher your IRA is, the more value it is, the more tax you're going to pay. The IRS also, in the case of a pre-tax IRA or 401k, gave you a tax deduction up front. So you were able to get a tax deduction for putting that amount in your IRA or 401k. And, and the byproduct of that is you've been able to defer tax on that and it was able to grow without tax. Now, in the case of a Roth IRA, Roth 401k, there was no immediate tax deduction, so thus when, when you do pull it out after 59 and a half years old and the Roth IRA account's been opened at least five years, you're going to get tax-free revenue. But for the pre-tax IRAs, which make up a, a bulk of, of the IRAs out there and 401ks, the IRS is hoping to tap into that at some point and collect tax revenue. The only way to take 
some of your IRA or 401k into income and use that other than the 401k loan feature is a distribution. And a distribution is subject to tax in the case of a pre-tax IRA or 401k. And under, if you're under 59 and a half, a 10% penalty. See, the IRS feels very strongly about protecting these distribution rules because if they don't, people are just going to pull their retirement money out of their accounts and never pay tax. And then the IRS loses twice. Once, because they gave you a tax deduction up front. So you're able to reduce your taxable income in the current year of your contribution. And at the same time, your IRA or 401k has been able to grow without tax, thus allowing you to, to accumulate wealth and never pay tax again if you were able to circumvent the distribution rules. So the IRS feels strongly about policing these distribution rules and making sure that if you do want to use these funds for personal purposes, then you pay tax and penalty if you're under 59 and a half. And the rules that I'm going to discuss right now are, are really there to uh, stop people from personally benefiting or providing certain benefits to very close family members that the IRS feels uh, are akin to, to someone personally benefiting because of the close family relationship. So when we talk about peop people, uh, disqualified persons, I should say, people that you cannot transact with under Internal Revenue Code Section 4975, we got to start uh, with the first category, and that's really lineal descendants. So any, of, any parent, child, spouse, daughter-in-law, son-in-law of the IRA holder is deemed a disqualified person, and one should not use IRA or 401k in any transaction involving these people. Taking that a step further, the IRS goes into account and says that any entity, LLC, corporation, partnership, controlled on more than 50% by such disqualified persons are also treated as a disqualified person. Now, we'll see the case law does suggest that you can be below the 50% threshold and still trigger a prohibited transaction because of the self-dealing and conflict of interest rules. So let's talk about uh, disqualified persons in greater detail. So it's lineal descendants. It's any entities controlled by this lineal descendants. Um, it's also a 10% shareholder of an entity deemed a disqualified uh, person, uh, also an officer, director, or highly compensated employee of such an entity. And any, in, in essence, if you can stay away transacting with yourself personally or any disqualified person, lineal descendant, or any entity affiliated by a lineal descendant, a little a disqualified person or a lineal descendant, uh, you, you should be okay in, in terms of circumventing the prohibited transaction rules, but we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit more detail when we get to the self-dealing. So 4975 really talks about making sure that if you're going to transact with a lineal descendant, buy a house and let your son live in it or give money to your daughter or give money to your parents to go on vacation, the IRS feels that because of the close family relationship, you're personally benefiting. In other words, if your parents are happy, the kids are happy, you're happy. So the IRS didn't want people just to give money to their kids, parents, without paying tax on the IRA distribution and uh, being able to liquidate their, their IRAs or 401ks without tax. They were worried that people would say, okay, I'm not going to take the money, but I'll give it to my kids and my parents. And this way, I'm not personally benefiting um, individually. My parents, my kids are. And the IRS put these rules in to stop that, to make sure that if you do want to self-deal and personally benefit, uh, you, need, you need the money, uh, your parents need the money, your children need the money, uh, you're going to pay tax and, and penalty if appropriate. 
So really the 4975 rules talk about that there cannot be under 4975C1A direct or indirect sale exchange or leasing a property between an IRA and a disqualified person. For example, you can't sell a house to, to your owned by an IRA to your son or you can't live in a house owned by your IRA. Um, you, you can't furnish goods or services uh, between uh, an IRA and a disqualified person. You can't buy a piece of property and hire your father to do work on the property or uh, buy a house with your IRA and then hire your, your daughter to fix it up. Um, you also, under 4975C1B, can't, can't lend any money from your IRA to a disqualified person or personally guarantee an obligation of your IRA, i.e. that's why credit cards are not permitted to be used in a self-directed IRA context, only debit cards, because you cannot personally guarantee an obligation of your IRA, which a credit card would be. 4975C1D talks about the direct or indirect transfer to a disqualified person of income of the IRA. So you can't just take your IRA and pay you know, your son's college tuition or medical bills. Um, there are potentials for uh, hardship distributions, getting around the penalties, but you, you can't get around the taxes if you have a pre-tax IRA. Again, the 401k does have an exception because of the solo 401k loan feature. You're able to use $50,000 or 50% of your account value, whatever's less, and use that for any purpose. So that, that's one way that you can use your retirement money in a 401k context to uh, do a prohibited transaction without actually triggering a prohibited transaction. And then the self-dealing ones talk about in 4975 D1E and F talking about any act by disqualified person that deals with the income or assets of the IRA for his or her own interest or for own account. So if you uh, are using your IRA directly or indirectly to personally benefit you, i.e. you're the real estate agent on your IRA real estate purchase um, and, and earning commission. Or you uh, want to buy a piece of property with your IRA, don't have enough money, and then use some personal funds to make up the difference, the IRS could argue that you're using your IRA to personally benefit yourself. In the case of the real estate, uh, using your IRA to make up for personal money you don't have. And 4975 when F talks about a, uh, a disqualified person receiving any consideration uh, for his own account uh, in connection with the IRA or, or an asset of the IRA. Um, for example, someone using their IRA to uh, secure a job in, in a company that needs cash. So, for example, the company comes to you and says, if you invest X amount, of, uh, we'll get you a job or we'll give you a bigger bonus. And if you use your IRA to do that, it's, it's a conflict of interest because you're using your IRA, not because it's a good investment for your IRA, but to actually personally benefit yourself. So really, in sum, you want to stay away from any transaction involving your IRA or 401k and any disqualified person, lineal descendant. Uh, I take it a step further. I know the threshold is 50%, but I think you should not associate with any entity that a disqualified person has any personal interest in, even 1%. There's a case, Rollins v. Commissioner, where Mr. Rollins uh, was a CPA and he, he was a sh shareholder of a corporation. It's a 2008 tax court case, a really interesting case that uh, is on the IRA Financial Group website if you want to take a look at it. Anyways, this, this gentleman, Mr. Rollins, owned less than 10% of a company. He wasn't an employee, just a director, approximately 75 shareholders, so it wasn't that small. company needed money, took his 401k funds to pay the company uh, or loan money to the company, I should say, at prevailing interest rates. And the IRS argued prohibitive transaction, 
And the tax court agreed and said that this, Mr. Rollins cannot prove that he did not personally benefit from the investment. Clearly, the money going from his 401k to his this company that he owned a interest in um, clearly benefited him because if that investment or that loan was not made, his personal investment would have uh, been worthless. So um, clearly, th those are the transactions they're looking at. If you stay away from collectibles, life insurance, and the IRA contact, S corp stock. Make sure if you're not buying, if you're buying gold, silver, palladium, it's 99.99% pure. If it's coins, American Eagle, state minted, uh, no foreign coins, and don't do any transactions uh, with a lineal descendant or anything that could directly or indirectly personally benefit you. You'll be in good shape. You're not going to have to worry about prohibitive transactions or IRS or any penalties or tax. One way to look at this is I always tell people who are considering doing a transaction that may directly or indir indirectly involve a disqualified person is pretend the IRS is knocking at your door and an agent comes to you and says, prove to me that your investment involving your IRA did not directly or indirectly personally benefit you. If you can and have good support, facts, then, then consider it. Um, certainly, you want to probably talk to a, an attorney or a CPA, someone with experience, but um, you probably uh, have some good support for that position. If you stumble and don't really know what to say and, and, and you know, deep down know that um, you don't really have a defense, don't do it. So, for example, if you – the Rollins case, if um, your company needs money, you don't have any other sources of revenue, but you have an IRA with 100000 bucks, and you need 100000 to save your company, it's going to be very hard to show that uh, to the IRS that that's not personally benefiting. So th those are some of the examples. I'm going to do another podcast that's going to that, I think dive a little deeper into the prohibited transaction rules. Firstly, talk about collectibles and exceptions to collectibles, precious metals, coins, etc., and then do another one on 4975 and, and the nuts and bolts and really get into the details of uh, disqualified persons, um, self-dealing, conflict of interest, potential exceptions, potential services that are permitted or not permitted to be done in case of a trustee of a 401k or a, a manager of an IRA LLC. Um, so there's a lot of interesting um, Details to go through, uh, some cases, and, and things that I think people that are looking to use IRA funds or 401k funds to make non-traditional investments uh, should learn about, uh, spend time on. It's crucial. Uh, you want your IRA and 401k to be there for you when you retire. You don't want to deal with the IRS and jeopardize potentially paying taxes and, and penalties up to 100% because you did something that uh, was incorrect, even though you may have not known it was prohibited. Um, the, the information is crucial, and, and these rules are not that complicated. They're broad, and the reach is broad, but they need to be understood properly. I'm Adam Bergman, tax partner with the IRA Financial Group. Appreciate uh, spending 20 minutes or so with me today. Uh, I look forward to continuing this uh, podcast series. And if, if people have uh, questions, thoughts, uh, ideas for additional podcasts, you can email me at adamb at irafinancialgroup.com. That's A-D-A-M. B is in boy at irafinancialgroup.com or, or give us a call at 800-472-0646. Thanks uh, again for listening.